Well, I love this gospel passage for a lot of reasons. I like the fact that the Lord is very, he's not a BSer. I mean, the guy, when he preached, he was just very straightforward and it got him killed. But um, a lot of things are going on here. I find it interesting. Well, I think you really need to note the fact that there's a sudden change in the narrative and how his audience is receiving him. At first, they really are saying, wow, we're impressed with this guy. And then within one line, you know, and the the line where it switches, and I had to kind of figure this out so my tone of voice could change when I was reading it. The, The switch, I think, happens this, when it says, they also asked, is this not the son of Joseph? I think that's where the change takes place. Now, that could be a reflection of the fact that some part of the people were receiving him favorably and some part of the people were not. Or it could be they were receiving him favorably, but then at some point, something happened and, 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 and they all just generally changed. And uh, what we see here is the people's prejudice. And uh, the, the fact that their prejudice is inhibiting them from actually receiving the word of God. Now, today we celebrate the feast of St. Gregory uh, the Great, Saint Pope St. Gregory the Great. And uh, I have a special connection with this guy only because of the fact that when I was in seminary, I was in, I was in Rome, and I would often uh, go to St. Peter's Basilica, and there's a, a kneeler in this one alcove. St. Peter's Basilica is huge. It's probably got 40 or 60 kind of like side altars. Well, that's maybe an exaggeration. It's probably about 20 to 30 side altars. So in this one kind of side altar, there's this kneeler, and it was right in front of this altar under which were the mortal remains of St. Gregory the Great. And uh, he's one of the four doctors of the Church of the West, along with Augustine and probably St. Jerome and maybe St. Uh, I don't know who the, the fourth doctor of the West is, but in any event, he's a, he's a very, very important theologian in our tradition. He's very ancient, so he's from the, about the year 500. So to think about that, to me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an antiquarian, so I like the fact that, wow, I'm, here I am, there's this, the mortal remains of 1,500-year-old saint. You know, that's, to me, that's pretty cool. But anyway, um, there's a great story that I think ties into all of this here from uh, St. Gregory. In his day, um, there was slavery in Rome, and unfortunately, and one day he was walking past the, the slave market or the market where slaves were being sold, and he had an attendant at the side, and he looks up at some of these slaves, and he sees um, some Englishmen, actually. At the time, it was the tribe of the Angles. Okay, that's where the word English comes from. It was the tribe of the Angles. And uh, they were very fair-skinned. And the Italian and the Roman and the North African people, you know, were more dark. Um, and they had brown eyes and black hair or brown hair. And blonde was not seen, like the, the color blonde, you wouldn't see blonde. And to this day, the Italians are kind of like, ooh, biondi. It's like a big deal for them. You know, they really make a big deal out of any blonde person that comes around. Um, and uh, so he's seen all these blonde-haired uh, people. And, and fair skinned and all that, you know. And so he says, who are these? And the, the attendant says, well, these are the angles. And he says, do not say angles, say angels. 
And uh, he's inspired to put a lot of effort into sending missionaries to England. And eventually he sends St. Augustine of Canterbury, not, not St. Augustine of Hippo, St. Augustine of Canterbury. And that's really when the gospel took deep root in England as a result of Gregory's efforts to evangelize the place. Uh, and to this day, really, I mean, Canterbury is supposed to be the sea of the main sea of England. It kind of defected there in the, at the time of Henry VIII. But uh, can't, the Sea of Canterbury is the main, you know, historically Catholic Sea of England. Um, so what do we see here? I, I think what's going on is Pope Gregory, he can see past the, the surface. He can see the potential of these people. He's looking at slaves, but he declares them angels. Now, of course, they had to do with their appearance, but it was deeper than that, I think, is that he saw the fact that they were called by God to become saints, and he could, he, so he could see that potential in them. And uh, whenever we see God's calling on a person and how God views that person, we're seeing that person in truth. And the, the people, unfortunately, of Nazareth in our gospel were not able to see Jesus in truth. Uh, there's two barriers to being able to see the, the true spiritual potential of a someone and, and, and hence to see the truth of their person. Two barriers. First of all, our own lack of virtue. Okay, so on the part of the beholder, the part, on the part of the, the, the subjective viewer, their own vice or their own lack of virtue. And then secondly, the person they're looking at, their vices too. Okay, so those are the hindrances that stop us. In the case of Jesus, of course, he, he didn't have any sins or vices. So the people's lack of appreciation for him really was rooted in their own lack of virtue and their own vices. You know, is this not the son of Joseph? I can see them saying, like, you know, probably the fact of the matter is that Joseph was this kind of humble guy, uh, you know, in town, and he did his job in a responsible, you know, and competent fashion, but he wasn't a big talker, and he didn't really get involved in the town gossip, and he didn't, you know, if someone says, oh, that, you know, really sort of, Creates another person as like an outcast, Joseph wouldn't have gone along with that. He would have treated everybody equally. When you do that, you make a lot of enemies, okay? So probably some people had, had conceived certain envious prejudices towards Joseph, and then of course, like father, like son, you know, the interesting thing is they don't even understand, of course, that Jesus is not really the biological son of Joseph. So there's all these certain truths and mysteries that they're completely blind to because of their stupid prejudices. You know, they're not apprehending the truth of Joseph, or all the more so, less you know Jesus. They're not apprehending the truth of the person. Even if we get past our own prejudices, though, and biases and our own lack of virtue, what happens when we do see true vices in the other person? Do we treat them accordingly, always according to the, oh, I know, you know, Richard, that's how he is, okay? You, you can't put people in boxes like that. you got to really see them not according to, the, to their failures and their vices, but you got to see them according to their potential as, as God sees them. And uh, so that's how you get, get to the truth of the person. John Paul II has a great saying. He says this, We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We are the sum of the Father's love for us and our real capacity to become the image of his Son, Jesus. Isn't that great? 
We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We are the sum of the Father's love for us and our real capacity to become the image of his Son, Jesus. So this is a great challenge. Even people you know, whose vices and failures we really do see, Oh, I know all about her. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when she was 18 and she did X, Y, and Z. Okay. But she happens to be 45 years old right now. Okay. Could you just give her a break, you know, and let her get out of this box that you've put her in because of her past, you know? Um, we are really not apprehending the person in truth if we're just stuck on their vices, even if their vices are real, okay, it's not the truest heart of that person and we're not really relating to them in truth. And isn't it wonderful when someone comes along in your life and they don't have their, the, uh, any prejudices against you and they, they give you a new beginning and they set you free and they treat you as if you have the possibility of being a good person. And when you're treated that way, you, you live up to those expectations, and it, it's transformative, and that potential is, is unleashed. So uh, let's, let's pray that we can get rid of our own vices, and then we can see past the vices of others, uh, and to see others as, as God sees them uh, in truth. And I think St. Gregory was able to do that with the, with the angels. Um, and, uh, and of course, this is what we're all called to do as, as Christians.